Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 25 of the JT and Big O podcast. We are your hosts, Video Geek JT and Ryan Big O'Regan. How you doing, my friend? Old. <laughs> uh, I went ahead, gave myself a haircut, and realized there's like a patch right here in the middle, like Pippi Le Pew, that's all gray. <laughs> Better gray than none at all. Yes, at least I can say that. At least I can say that even though I've gone ahead and I've pointed out where my dark and light spots are, everything is still there. Everything is still uniform. No bald spots. If anything, I've got this uh, manchichi hair, as my (laughs) sister would have called it back in the day. I want to get to the point to start shaving mine again, but uh, the reason I'm wearing the hat, it is a little bit of vanity. I... I don't care if see, people see me bald, but I don't like it looking a messy bald, like a very obvious, like stringy hair out. So I'm like, and I'm like a Homer Simpson my, bald. Yeah. With two I'm, strings over the top. Yeah. I'm really making myself look attractive here, aren't I? Uh, but <laughs> eventually, I'm once it starts actually getting warm outside, I'm actually going to do the full shave and I'm going to try to re- maintain that for the rest of the season. But for now, I'm wearing my Zelda baseball cap, which I, Have you noticed how I wear all this video game stuff almost every episode and we don't talk about video games in almost every episode? What? You have a look. That's fine. The the beautiful thing about video games is that there's so many different ones and yet the only reason you'd ever really have to talk about them is if it's on a new console, like a new Zelda or something like that, or if it's because one's really bugging out. If a video game is out and it's working fine perfect you know if, if it's not broke don't fix it yeah but i'm, I'm just talking about like we're, we're very film based and i'm always like i'm always ready for video games i'm actually i'm even wearing my green uh nintendo new york shirt representing both new york and nintendo there uh, well, say i just see new york so i wouldn't <laughs> think it with the gaming shirt i'm just saying you're trying to represent the trustee respect here i am with the core shirt so i'm not even like you know tri-state affiliated i'm going over to the rockies and actually, a little green here. We kind of both represent other little things, such as being Irish and maybe being Ninja Turtle fans. Hey, by the way, did you happen to know that it's been the, the 30th anniversary of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live-action movie, uh, this month? Do I? <laughs> For those who don't, don't see the video, he's, uh, he's holding up his Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle box set collection. All three movies, including the one no one ever really wants to watch. Actually, I hate this. As a kid, I kind of liked the third film. It was not good, but when you're a kid, you're stupid. I can't knock on the third film just because, I mean, it's the it's, it's one of those kinds of sequels where it's like, if you were watching the animated show, this would have been like a two-part episode of the show. You know, I, them traveling in time, going back to feudal Japan. Uh, there's an American with cannons and gunpowder, and there's a little boy named Yoshi who may or may not be uh, you know, a descendant of Hamato Yoshi, which is, of course, leading into Splinter. There's layers. There's layers if you look for them. It, it definitely wasn't a bad movie, but I guess uh, I don't know what most people's complaints were back then. Again, I was like seven or eight years old, so I, I just knew, like, oh, they're fighting and they're traveling in time, and it's like the video game. I think uh, the biggest complaint with the third one is that it veered so much away from any of the subject matter that the kids knew at the time because either you were an older person who read the comics or you were a younger person who grew up on the animated show and at least with 
number one and number two, you had Shredder, you had the Foot Clan, you had some mutants. The third one had like nothing to do with any of that. Uh, yeah, and that's true, but it's still like I—I I don't know. It's one of the. I guess I have to revisit myself to to really give my full opinion. But I just remember as a kid, I liked it, and then years later, everyone's like, "No, that movie was awful. You were ruining your childhood." Well, I mean, like, I'm sure people complained about the second one too when you got a Toka and a Razor rather than a Rocksteady and a Bebop. <laughs> you know, you can't please everybody. That that one I did complain about. Was like, I, even as a kid, I'm like, is that Bebop and Rocksteady? Why do they call them Token and Razor? That that was a weird <laughs> one. I think that what what was that? The filmmakers didn't actually want to include those characters, and this was kind of their like uh, their their way of trying to please people without actually doing it. In a sense, yeah. So this way, you at least had the two mutants. But sequels aside. Uh, yes, it was the it is the 30th anniversary of when the, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out back in 1990. Um, so much so that I don't know if you had seen it. They actually had a cast reunion yesterday night uh, or the May 23rd uh, with the original actors who were in the suits, some of the original voice actors, uh, the original Shredder, the original guy who the original puppeteer and voice of Splinter. The original um, April O'Neil, not the one who was in the two sequels, obviously. Uh, oh, that, technically, she was in the sequel. I, I, you, she has not aged for shit, man. I'm telling you, you look at her in the movie and you look at her on that thing that I watched yesterday. She can still, like, in the words of Michelangelo, she's a babe. All right. She can still get it. So I, I don't know why they didn't use her for the other movies or why but she's still been working she's still an actress i don't think it was anything against her i think it was if i remember correctly it was she just wasn't available for the sequel so they had to recast her which is a damn shame nothing against Paige turco who took over for her but still she was just she is rocking my god the, the hair and everything if you look at her they even got uh uh Elias codis or codius uh, who played Casey Jones. The only person that I think they weren't able to actually get during the thing was uh, Corey Feldman, the voice of Donatello. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'm big loss, big loss. But no, they got the original cast together. They, they got uh, Brian Henson because Jim Henson Creature uh, Production was the ones who made the turtle outfits. So they had him talking. They did like a, a read-through of the original script. And Oh, my God. Uh, the guy who voices Raphael still has it like throughout any of the other voice actors and throughout any of the other actors whenever i heard Raphael doing his voice stuff it just took me back it clinched it <laughs> I, I don't know how i don't know how his was so distinct and yet never got like further than the movies because he's got a great voice i was five years old i think when the movie came out and i watched the cartoon series at the same time and i i always remember liking the Raphael in the movies a lot better than i did in the in the tv show like he had a lot more personality and yeah that that rough new yorker type voice was so much better than the one that we had in the in the cartoon and not to take away from the voice actor from the cartoon because he he's a great voice actor as well but Right, but there was a stark contrast between the cartoon Raphael and the live-action Raphael. Cartoon Raphael was just a, a wise-cracking, uh, smart Alec. Yeah, you know, it was, he like, was the one that had like the clip, the quips. Yeah, Raphael from the movie version up all the way through. 
is kind of like the Raphael we've been getting, where he's well, more angsty. I think the movie kind of made it the definitive version. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. He does wisecracks in the cartoon, but once we saw like the movie version, it's like, oh, that is a great character. And because now you have an actual rivalry with another one of the Ninja Turtles, the very strict leadership of uh, Leonardo. That and I think that dynamic just worked with every incarnation since then. Yeah, that this movie prime like set the pace for the kinds of characterizations we've gotten since then. Um, with the exception of Donatello. I mean, Donatello's from the cartoon all the way through has always been like the smart tech guy. In the movie, he was pretty much just as dumb as Michelangelo was. Well, he was played by Corey Feldman. So uh, uh, yeah, I they try to make him smart again in the second movie, but that was when Corey wasn't around. And then they tried to make him dumb again in the third movie, back when Corey was around. So it's like, it all depended on who voiced him. It's like, it's Corey, has to be dumb this time. Uh, you know, I was actually trying to think about this. Um, you know, there's a, I, even though I was so young, I was still seeing all these cool movies and theaters around the time. I remember seeing... Uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3, which came out around that time. I remember seeing Batman, which came out around that time. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I actually saw Ninja Turtles in uh, in the theaters. I think everyone around me was like, no, that's too dumb for me to go see in the theater for two hours. I didn't actually oh. get to watch it until it got released on VHS tape. And uh, this is actually a kind of a cool thing from uh, my past history. And it's not too much related to Ninja Turtles, but this is my first memory of it. Uh, my mom was uh, a little ahead of the curve on technology, sort of where I come from now. Uh, she bought a Sony Betamax back in the day. And if you remember that, that was like the competitor to the VHS. Well, by the is that the one where it's like you put the tape in and instead of like you putting it into the machine, you put it into the slot above and you press it down? Yes, that one. Uh, and it's actually, it's a smaller tape. Uh, if you're watching the video version, which you're probably not because I don't think I'm going to. Wow. Uh, it, I have a tape on the camera. But what was kind of cool about that back in the day, uh, you know, not many people could afford multiple VCRs. So my mom had this Betamax and then VHS won the war. So they had to, my parents had to go out and buy a VHS. And the first thing we rented, I think, was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And my mom was like, I wonder if I can record that. So she hooked the Betamax up to the VCR and, or the VHS VCR, and we recorded the Ninja Turtles, so I got to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles every day on Betamax. Wow. That, that's, that's intense that you'd go to that level. Well, it, it's one of those, like, you have the technology, why not do it? And it, it's better than going out and buying, what, how much were VHS tapes at the time? Like $10, $15 still? So was, if you bought brand new, I'd say probably about right. Uh, the thing about the, this one is that it was kind of like semi-independent because it was through New Line. So New Line wasn't as prominent back then. It wasn't like Warner Brothers or, you know, I think even Touchstone Pictures were probably a bigger name back then than New Line was. Well, either way, recording ourselves was a lot cheaper. And this is before anyone realized how to do copyright protection on that stuff. So it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, there's no little um, uh, message from the U.S. government saying, you know, do not duplicate or anything like that. Yeah. Now, now I want to see if I can find my Betamax of uh, Ninja Turtles. Uh, I haven't actually seen the movie in many years. I, now that the anniversary has come around, I, I've now I'm very interested in watching again. Didn't get to watch it before this episode, but 
do you have any memories from the movie that like that stick with you like and not not just a voice or anything but like moments in the movie well i mean there's definitely some standout moments in the movie there's obviously the fight between casey jones and Raphael. uh there's the rooftop battle with the turtles and the foot clan where you go through the entire antique shop um Splinter being as deep as he was whenever he's talking to Danny or whenever he's talking to the turtles through the fire. Which, by the way, did you know that the voice of Splinter was a black guy? Yes, and in fact, he was. Uh, he also voiced Elmo. Yeah, Kevin Clash. I'm yes. like, wow. And, and 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 he still got the voice. That's the thing about this. It's like I'm trying not to necessarily focus on the voice actors, but when you look at something like this. And you see these giant anthropomorphic suits uh, for the turtles. I mean, it's hard to remember that there's a separate person doing the physical acting and a separate person doing the voice acting of the puppetry of the head. Because it's really, it's like, it takes two to tango when, to make those things active. I, so, I mean, I want to make sure that all credit is given uh, where appropriate. I saw but, one that's very amazing, the the puppetry of it. I mean, it, it holds up, I think, after 30 years. In fact, I still like the puppetry for the, that Ninja Turtles movie more than I like the CGI from the one that came out like maybe four or five years ago. Oh, the, the TMNT movie, the, the fully CGI animated one? Yeah, I did not like the, even, let, let's, aside from the look, which no one liked, even if they looked better, I think the puppetry look was worked a lot better than uh, CGI did. Well, it's one of those things where the turtles, if something like a mutated turtle could ever really like exist, it would have to look something like that. I mean, there's like, mm -hmm. it, it created the vision of what it would be like in reality. It was probably the first time we actually got like uh, a reality based superhero movie before we got, uh, you know, the Dark Knight or any of those other ones that are kind of like more realistic based rather than being fantastic teenage mutant ninja turtles did it first just keep, keeping them in the sewers ordering dominoes that ended up like two minutes <laughs> late and really crashing through buildings and looking like they were getting hurt and physically interacting with actual people i also like those movies that look like for the new york in the 1980s it wasn't completely real but that gritty look that all those movies back then had i loved and unlike other superhero movies at the time, which were kind of like almost in its own world, that one was in that gritty 1980s New York City. And then you just throw the turtles in the middle of it in a ninja clan in the background stealing stuff. I, the music in this movie was amazing because I, that's the thing that always sticks out in my head. Every time you go through a scene, you think of the song that was playing in the background. I work in Manhattan. Don't try I was actually, for this episode, I was practicing in the car uh, trying to do the main theme. I'm like, I, I'm not going to hit it. I'm not oh, the, the partners in crime turtle power rap? Uh, no, no, no. I was the, the one that goes, no, 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 no. Oh, oh okay. When they, like the teenager in the yeah. sap theme the, song. The, the, okay. the more chipper one. I Working in Manhattan, when I walk around New York City, that song randomly pops into my head depending on what area I'm in. Because it, imagine it, if you were on a skateboard and just like going through the city, it, you'd have to have the earphones on or the ear pods. It, it's just, I don't know. It's just that song just resonates with me in New York city and the Ninja Turtles. It's just, I don't know. It's 30 years later. And that's, that's the first thing that happens when I see New York city. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, the scenes like uh, I still remember Raphael in the really cheesy uh, get up to like I'm human and I'm just wearing a hat and a jacket. <laughs> yeah, but he's a, he's a punker with a the bald head and a green painted face and a mask over the other face. Oh, another <laughs> funny scene. You're talking about like who voiced uh, Splinter? Did you know like in that scene where like uh, Casey Jones and uh, Raphael like run across that uh, taxi cab. The person in the taxi cab is the uh, was Raphael. Actually, I think it was both the voice actor for Raphael and the person who was in the costume for Raphael. Right. Uh, hold on, I have that name here in a second. I was looking it up because I remember uh, when they did the thing yesterday. Uh, since they couldn't get. Uh, Elias Kodis to do the read through for the scene. Uh, the guy actually used his son hmm. to help voice along with him. So you had like father and son doing that particular scene. <laughs> uh, Josh Pius, who's been a relatively active actor since then. He was in Joker. Uh, he's done Ray Donovan. He he did Motherless Brooklyn. He's another been doing a lot, a lot lately, a lot uh, especially ever since that movie. So. Josh Payas is someone to look out for. Look at look out for him. Look out for Josh. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Although I, I will say, this movie did offer one of the biggest controversies in Turtles lore, and that mostly comes from the theme song, the, not the one you're talking about. I'm talking about the Partners in Crime Turtle Power song, which at one point I had memorized because I would play that over and over because I owned the cassette to the movie, mm-hmm. which my mother hated. So and, and it offers up the line when they're talking about the individual turtles and they say, Raphael, he's the leader of the group transformed from the norm by the nuclear group. There are people that would argue back and forth about why is he saying that Raphael is the leader? Obviously, Leonardo is the leader. We know that from the cartoons. It's like, I don't know. The movie focuses more on Raphael, so maybe he is the leader. This has been going <laughs> back and forth ever since this movie came out. So much to the point that the newest animated show, uh, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on Nickelodeon, has actually started off using Raphael as the leader. Well, I think they just went, the new show goes uh, against every norm, I think. In fact, isn't Raphael like the, the biggest one? The rest of them are all much smaller. Well, yeah, they, they all have like different, like almost uh, genus species set-offs of turtles. So it's like not only is each one differently shaped and sized and colored, but they're all representing a different turtle too. Yeah. Uh. I actually had, other than the first episode with John Cena, I have not seen that one. It w- it wasn't bad, but uh, I don't know. I'm also 35 years old, so. <laughs> yeah, but the, the fact that we've had something that started with just a simple song lyric in the live action movie back in 1990, and it's progressed up to this point because it, 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 it added such little bits of lore, such little bits of trivia that now fans who are like 30 some odd are now integrating it now that they have control over a representation of the property. Which is stupid because, you know, uh, if there's one rule you take from the 90s, it's never take serious the rap song that went with the movie because even the rappers <laughs> didn't know what they were rapping about. There's a rap song out there about Freddy Krueger from late 80s. It's just like, no. Yes, stop, there is. No. 
Um, <laughs> so, strangely enough, besides the Ninja Turtles, there was actually another Kung Fu. Oh, wait, 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 what are you going to say? No, 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 just, just holding the oh, box he, He's hugging his, uh, his Ninja Turtle box set. I could have done worse. I do have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys in my closet. <laughs> I could have decorated the entire back area if I wanted to, but I figured that might be a little overdoing it. Maybe a hair. Well, not really. We collect stuff. I actually, I'm annoyed because I don't remember throwing out any of my action figures as a kid. And I was looking for them recently. I had like so many Ninja Turtles stuff. I had the uh, the ones that transform into cars. I had the original series. I had a original Leonardo somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I had one of those giant, Mike, you remember like the, they, there was a set of Ninja Turtles that were like the size of the uh, the baby dolls they had at the time. I had like a Michelangelo version of that. Oh yeah, I have that one too. It, you still have it? Yes, I, I may be missing the belt and the nunchuck, but I do have the the giant Ninja Turtle. Now I was missing uh, your the belt. I I was a kid who liked taking things apart. My, mine had the arms missing, the legs missing. Found out the, <laughs> the shell was uh, was uh, hollow, so you could hide stuff in there if you wanted to. So so you weren't just like you know rearranging all the accessories you were performing dissections on the turtles yes kind of uh, i actually i really liked the uh the action figures as a kid because i remember if you knew how you could actually pop the shell off of them and there was a hollow area in the shell too and on the shredder huh my god <laughs> i phone back together more like back did you put them in a pot <laughs> with some hot water christ turtle soup uh, speaking of, uh, things having anniversaries and involve Kung Fu and Ninja, uh... Okay, so obviously we're not talking about The Shining. No. Uh, apparently also this week was the fifth anniversary of Kung Fury. The, uh, the, I can't think of the word for it. It was, uh, what's, what's when something's popular, but it's sort of not cult classic, but... Viral? Viral. There we go. There's the word. It was a, a viral hit from five years ago. Someone basically, they made this small trailer for a film they wanted to make uh, and they threw out a Kickstarter to say, like, if you give X amount of money, we're going to make this film. And it was so amazing that, like, I think they got four times the amount of money they were asking for on the Kickstarter. And what ended up happening was they created this great half-hour film for free that got released on YouTube on May 28th 2015 it is still to this day one of my favorite movies i was just wa- randomly watching it i think three days ago and that's what made me think of it yeah again it was one of those few times when we realized that you know crowd fundraising uh is something that could actually work well i think that was the first instance where we saw something that started off as a dream and ended up becoming a reality um because I mean, what? Regardless of it being like five years ago that it actually came out, uh, I think their crowdfunding for it was still like a year or two before that, even. So I mean, we're talking like early 2010s, and something like this was being formulated to the point where not only did it have a film, it also got a music video with David Hasselhoff yes. and a theme song. That's how official this little half-hour film became. By the way, that song is on Spotify, and I listen to it all the time. Uh, oh, I'm sure it's big in Germany, yeah. <laughs> the music video is actually more popular than the movie is on YouTube. Like, the YouTube video has, uh, I forget how many hits now, I think 33 million views. 
the uh, David Hasselhoff's music video has 41 million views. It, I'm telling you, Germans love Hasselhoff, man. <laughs> Norm Macdonald's been saying that since the 90s. But uh, I'm a, the thing that only shocked me was the fact that they never had a follow-up to it. I always figured this was right for someone to take over and create a franchise around. I mean, it was an it, it, it left the door open for a sequel, but in five years, nothing ever happened. Uh, there is something in post-production. Well, that's that's been up for years. I, that, I think that's been up since right after the film went. Oh, wait. Right. I mean, so considering this is the only thing that like uh, David Sandberg has really done, I, I can't imagine that he isn't not working on it. Hmm. And when you look at the cast that he has set up for it, I mean, you kind of want to put it out, I think. I act- uh, not only is um, he returning as himself, but he's got Arnold Schwarzenegger as the president, uh, Michael Fassbender as someone named uh, Colt Magnum. So you know that guy's got a gun. Um, Alexandra Shipp, uh, the most recent uh, Storm in the X-Men franchise, plays uh, Ray Porter. They're actually having David Hasselhoff in the cast as Hoff 9000. Nice. Uh, I'm like, well, I, I'm hoping that's the car. I am really hoping that's the car. Well, that 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 was the end of the movie. Was uh, Hoff Nine Thousand was the car? I know, but I'm hoping like they that's like they don't like blow him up in like the first five minutes. You know, it's like keep him all the way through. You never know. I didn't know about this, uh, but apparently filming ended last year. Like they they wrapped on September 25th. I'm I'm wondering if it's just a very long post-production or if uh, if everything I mean, considering how, just kind of held it off. I would say the post-production because anyone who's ever seen Kung Fury knows that most of that is just CGI and camera work. I would hope he's still he's not handling it all by himself like he did the first film. Like I'm hoping like he has a bigger team with him this time. Um, I mean, by the look of it, he's still directing and writing. Uh, it's got about 18 producers. Uh, he does have a more fleshed there. out uh, lineup of crew. So it may just be one of those things where since this is like his only thing, because I, I know I've done this being someone who's made films, you kind of get yourself into like this mindset where you almost can't find perfection no matter how hard you try. It's like you will tinker with something again and again and again, thinking, oh, I could do it this way. Oh, I could do it this way. Even if it's something for as short as a half-hour movie, editing a half-hour movie, if it's like your vision, can take forever, especially if you don't have to answer anyone uh, who's funding it. And I guess, like, I would figure, like, people would have thrown money at them to try to do a sequel or a TV series, especially with all the uh, the streaming networks that have been coming out. But maybe they have, and because he was able to do this on his own the first time, maybe he's been reluctant to let them take over. I'm assuming here. I'm not saying this is what he actually did. But that that's I, I can't see why you would do this by yourself otherwise. I this seems like uh, a property any any of the current streaming networks would have wanted. Yeah, I mean, especially now with the streaming wars being as it is, this is something that could easily go ahead and be on a Netflix, which I think is how I originally watched it. Um, it was on Netflix, or it may have been on Hulu. Um, it could go to either of those. It could go to HBO Max. It could go to Amazon. I think the only place it couldn't go to is probably Disney because I think it's just a little bit too extreme. Maybe a little bit. It it, it seems like something that HBO Max or really more uh, Netflix would probably go for. 
And in fact, I think the original was on Netflix for a bit there too. So there is some sort of relationship. I don't know. It's again, like I'm saying, it's the only thing that he has been working on. So I can't even say that there's other project that he's worked on that have been getting in the way. Like if you look at his IMDb, it's Kung Fury, Kung Fury two, um, some other foreign uh, Swedish sounding thing from 2013. <laughs> some Swedish thing. And that's it. This is all he has to go on. So unless there's something that happened in his family, I can't imagine that there's anything that would be distracting him. I, Which I hope his family's fine. Yeah, I'm not going to assume something bad happened to his family. I'm hoping not. But it's just, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, I figured this this seemed like uh, material that would cal- catapult your career. I'm shocked he hasn't done much else since then. I think he was doing music videos before then, but wouldn't music videos show up on uh, IMDb? They would, uh, provided that they were posted onto IMDb. So that would probably be him putting up the information. So either he didn't do it or nothing happened. Weird. It's well, I, you know what this, I learned something today and now I'm happy and I have something to look forward to and I hope he puts it out soon. Um, but you know, some other stuff that's coming, uh, coming by pretty soon. Uh, people are clamoring for uh, more Amanda, uh, more Mandalorian. They're, they're calling for more mom. What? Wait, ma- man, mama? Man, man, man. Now I'm singing the Amanda. Nick Nickelodeon. Anyway, Mandalorian. It works. So yes, uh, Mandalorian's coming back, and there's been some hot news in regards to some of the casting choices they made for season two. Yeah. Um, now, did you watch Mandalorian season one at all? Yes, I did. Okay, okay. One of the few things uh, I actually did I'm, watch. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'd say you're probably more the Star Wars fan than I am, so that's uh, why I wanted to make sure of that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a giant fan. I actually thought you were a big fan because you were the one who was suggesting this topic for today. I am a casual fan at best. Uh, I've watched all the movies. I've watched uh, Mandalorian. I've watched some of Clone Wars. I've watched some of Rebels. Uh, never got into Resistance by itself. I, um, I will say this: This is how big of a Star Wars fan I am. Uh, it was Star Wars Day not too long ago. And, May the fourth, yes. and then I saw a whole bunch of people post up uh, pictures of them with lightsabers, and that's when I went, "Oh yeah, I own a lightsaber." And Ming from uh, Comic Book Men saw my post and mentioned how I forgot I had this thing, and it's like, "How do you forget you have a lightsaber?" <laughs> that's how big of a fan of Star Wars I am. It's like you yeah, own see, a the lightsaber. Only lightsaber you remember? Yeah, the only lightsaber I ever had was. The double-edged Darth Maul one from episode one. One of the plastic and ones. I, I think I threw that out. Yeah, that, I, you would throw away a plastic. I, I, uh, I worked at a Halloween store as a kid when uh, Clone Wars came out. So I had one of the cheap-ass plastic ones that everyone was buying mm. for their costumes. But when I was... We, we were talking about another episode. Maybe I brought this up. Uh, the Game Room in Woodbridge Mall in New Jersey. Yes. Um, I had a friend who worked there and he gave me a discount on one of the, uh, the master replica collection ones. So I got one of those beautiful ones that you like see everyone online with that looks like a real lightsaber and lights up and makes the noises and stuff. Well, yeah. So by default, that makes you the more hardcore star Wars nerd. 
Yes, because I got a discount and I and I thought it looked cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I but, totally forget I own it until someone brings it up. Well, yeah, I, you, you probably won't remember it until the next holiday, I'm sure. Yeah. I found I don't know. I was going to say I I also found out like I don't know if they're still worth the amount of money, but when the new Star Wars came out, I found out like they rose four times in value. So by the way, if you have one of these and you want to sell it on eBay, you might make a good penny for it right now. Maybe. Yeah, sell away your uh, childhood hopes and dreams of ever becoming a Jedi in order to pay your rent in this pandemic. Trust me, it's not going to happen. You might as well just take the money. (laughs) A thousand lives across the universe (laughs) snuffed out. I actually, uh, uh, we're we're in the the New Jersey filmmaking community. I'm not going to mention the person by name, but apparently one of our uh, colleagues recently watched Star Wars: A New Hope for the first time, and she didn't like it. Oh, it's like it wasn't good. It's like, and then a and then a whole bunch of nerds cried out in agony, and were finally silenced. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's some younglings out there that probably got killed just from her saying that. <laughs> We're getting away from Mandalorian. We should probably move. Yes. To Mandalorian. Okay. Uh, yes. So let's go into the other aspect of Star Wars that has nothing to do with Jedi's. Yes. Strangely. Well, well uh, I mean, there probably was the little bit of tease at the end when you had uh, Giancarlo Esposito's character with the the dark saber. Yeah, but that's but, not a Jedi. That's a Sith. Okay, maybe I know a little bit about Star Wars. Ha 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 ha! Gotcha. But yeah, so. They're really going a little bit more balls to the wall with uh, some of the stuff that they're doing in the second movie, uh, the second season, I should say. And a lot of it has come in the regards of the characters that they're going to be introducing. Now, obviously, for those of you who haven't watched, we may be a little spoilery with what happened in season one. But as everyone knows, season one, um, they had to face off against some first, uh, well, some, uh, not, well, no, it wasn't first order yet. It was still um, Empire. And they wanted the child, Baby Yoda. Mm -hmm. They were able to get away relatively scot-free, but now they're on the run from the Empire. Uh, They have an idea about where they can go ahead and, I guess, find Baby Yoda's origin, find his people. So there may be a lot more Baby Yodas in the future. And... The casting that we have for this has blown up to the extravagant point that you're now incorporating not just original characters, but you're bringing in characters from other lore of Star Wars. Um, some of it, most notably, uh, you've got uh, Bo-Katan, who was a staple in the animated series, is, is now going to have her first live-action um, you know, counterpart in the form of Katie Sackhoff, who is the same actress who has been voicing Bo-Katan this whole time. Now, that's a dream for any actor or actress uh, to actually go ahead and be the, the main person of a character, I'd say, from anime to voice, uh, from voice acting to live action in a franchise like this. I don't think I've actually known of anyone who's ever been able to make that transition before. Uh, from being a voice actor of a character to being the live action version of it there there's maybe one or two examples but nothing in something like star wars never is anything that's huge i think the only counterpart that even comes close would probably be sergeant slaughter in gi joe 
I don't think he counts. I think he was Sergeant Slaughter <laughs> way before he was G.I. Joe. Um, the only one I can think of is, oh, man, so many people are going to piss at me because I think I'm getting his name wrong. Uh, Rob Conway uh, recently where he was, uh, he played Batman. No, I'm def- definitely name wrong. Who was the voice actor for uh, Batman the Animated Series? Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Because uh, he did the live action on the uh, CW verse. Yes, and, and, it was, and, it, and it was a very, very poor version of that. But he did technically play Batman in a live action role. But again, that's the only time I ever remember that. Yeah, but that's not like his Batman. That was just a Batman, and it's Kevin Conroy. Yeah, Kevin Conroy. Why am I saying Rob Conway? Is it? I think that's a pro wrestler. Never mind. <laughs> as long as you didn't say Tim Conway, yes, because I mean, well, don't I, I worry. Don't when I when I was saying Rob Con- when I was saying Rob Conway, I was thinking Tim Conway. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like I'm I'm not talking about the guy from uh, the Carol Burnett show, am I? Yeah, yeah, you are. But I would have loved to have seen him as a Batman. That would have been great. <laughs> I, I don't I can't do a Tim Conway impression, so I can't even do that. Um no, but yeah, so that that's gonna be a great thing for her. Um and then on top of that, the, the what every fanboy is uh uh I'll keep this PG. What every fanboy is really loving right now is Rosario Dawson is gonna prob uh probably play uh Ahsoka in this version or she definitely is going to play ahsoka i think that's she is she's definitely cast and yeah i mean as far as characters that were created for the animated series because uh we didn't know anything of ahsoka until the clone wars animated series when she becomes like uh the pad one to uh future darth vader um mr skywalker anakin there it's weird that they're actually going ahead and doing that, but I can understand why they're choosing to incorporate that character because as far as like everything from one trilogy to the next, Ashoka's been pretty much like the linchpin between it. So whether it be um, her cameos in Rebels, whether it be any uh, instances in Clone Wars and the movie Clone Wars, as well as the television series uh, in the comics, She's pretty much been like the main focus of everything in between. And the way they ended off the Clone Wars series with her in the last episode and everything, it leads a lot into, okay, what she's been up to lately. So to put her into something like Mandalorian, it makes sense, even if it does kind of like truncate the universe more so. I didn't really get to watch, uh, like one, I was never really big into the animated series series that they've had. So I never really watched Rebels. I never really watched Clone Wars. I know of the characters. Uh, YouTube's been a great place to kind of see Ahsoka (laughs) versus Darth Vader, which has been a great video. Yeah, a lot uh, of primers. (laughs) But I did see like she became some sort of uh, higher plane type person. And it's like, uh, I, I kind of like ah- Ahsoka, but I don't want to see like high and mighty Ahsoka. Uh, if you're going to be the one that was trained by Anakin Skywalker before he went to the dark side, it kind of makes a little sense that she'd be maybe a little bit more... It makes sense, but it's not suck. the character I think people want to see. Uh, 
that that's sort of like I like the Undertaker, and then like, well, here's American Badass Undertaker. It's like I know I don't like that Undertaker, but you said you like the Undertaker. It's a different Undertaker. I think that's the case here too. It's we like Ahsoka. Don't be hating on Biker like, Taker. But we like the Clone Wars version of Ahsoka. We don't like uh, whatever like higher power version of Ahsoka she's going to possibly be in this series. But maybe I'm wrong. I'm speculating here. I think it's really going to come down to whether or not we actually see Rosario Dawson get into any um, fighting. Because I think if we see Ahsoka, you know, fight with a lightsaber or two, that will pretty much be like, okay, this works. And mind you, Rosario Dawson has some history in being, uh, you know, superhero oriented, especially with her time in the uh, Netflix uh, Marvel Universe. So she has the fighting chops, at least, to be able to handle the character. I just don't know how it's going to look with, like, all the headdresses and everything, because, like, if you remember those that race mm-hmm. from, like, the movies, and you ever saw them interacting, they were either whores, or they were Jedis who didn't really do much flippy stuff. Well, but I mean, Ahsoka is definitely, Ahsoka is definitely an active character, even when she, obviously, she's going to be older in this, uh, in her younger years. She was, you know, flippy dippy doing kind of like, you know, Yoda fighting sort of stuff. Well, maybe if they she... can't do that, what's the point? I, fan service. That's pretty much it. Um, I think uh, if she is an episode, she'll probably only be in one episode. That's my current thought. And she'll probably be limited on movement. But again, that's like what I'm saying. It's like, that's not really Ahsoka we really want to see anyway. But. Uh, you know what? We know the characters we like. If there's if they're all returning, then I'm happy. And then you get these little fan service here and there, and like, oh, good luck with that. Uh, well, I mean, the, nothing's going to be more fan service than what they're doing with uh, Timothy Oliphant. Well, uh, I'm gonna say we don't know what they're doing with the uh, Timothy Oliphant. Uh, Right now, so the the thing that's going around is they've seen him in picture. Uh, there's been pictures of him in Boba Fett's armor. So a lot of people are going, "Oh my God, he's gonna be Boba Fett! He's gonna be Boba Fett!" Well, uh, from an article that just recently came out from Sci-Fi Wire, and uh, I think this is actually an opinion piece, so I'm just gonna leave it with that. But it does bring up an interesting thing to say: he might actually play a character outside of Boba Fett. Apparently, in the Star Wars universe, there is another character known as Cobb Vanth. And this is a character from, I believe, the Aftermath trilogy by Chuck Waning. I've not read that, so but apparently it's... Neither have I. It's apparently that uh, there was this uh, sheriff for this small town that like, uh, there was a power vacuum in. And to kind of take back control... Uh, Cobb went out and he bought the uh, what was said to be the armor of Boba Fett and used it to kind of uh, enforce things around there through like the name of Boba Fett. So that that's a possibility. It could be this character as well. Are we just relegated to the fact that Timothy Oliphant will never get away from being a cowboy or a sheriff? I think so. I mean, between Deadwood, Justified, and now this, like Timothy, even when he was like Agent Forty Seven <laughs> in the wait. Hitman movie, he, he's just a gunslinger. That's he, all he is. He's gonna do uh, a cowboy or sheriff in every type of movie he can. So he played a sheriff in the old Wild West. 
He played a, a lawman in modern times. He played a lawman in a horror film. And now he's going to play a lawman in a long t- in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago in a sci-fi universe. He's he's just what's that? He's gonna be a he's gonna be in a superhero film. What what uh, sheriff can he play from the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Because there's got to be one that he's just like. I'll, no, he'll he'll be the new version of uh, uh, what was that really crappy DC movie that came out a few years ago that uh, Jonah Hex. Or, yeah, he'll he'll be the new, next jo- uh, John Hex. He even played a cowboy. He pretty much played Clint Eastwood in Rango. <laughs> the spirit of the west oh that, that like, really crappy animation with johnny depp yes uh, which actually won the oscar for best animated film did it yeah. yes well uh, you know not every uh not every year do they come out with a great animated film um but i mean how can he not play boba fett i mean if it's going to be the exact same armor and we've seen how the mandalorians are with their armor and we that's all been established in the first season, why would he be so flippantly giving away his armor? He could be dead. But then how do you get it out of the fucking pit? I don't know. Uh, they, they said he got it from uh, Jawas, so I don't know. <laughs> so what, it's the, the, the damn pit choked on Boba and just like uprooted itself from the ground? And then they got picked up. I don't know. I don't, I'm not that big of a story. No, I'm saying he's Boba. He's got to be Boba. Boba. Somehow he exploded himself out of the damn thing and survived. Would you know what? At the same time, like to see Boba Fett in this would be kind of cool. But you know, I, I kind of like this, uh, this thought to see this. I like the, what they're kind of doing where they're incorporating characters that are not into the bigger lore. They're taking stuff from the car, the animated series. And now they're looking at uh, some of the book series. This, this is really cool. I think this is the perfect fan service for the star Wars fans, this, this series and what they're doing. And for fans of all that, of, of every uh, genre, I'd say, cause they're really just trying to pile in as many different characters as they can at this point. I like, I, I kind of like how they did the original season where I was like, every episode was like a different location, a different story, a different thing. It was like, uh, it was like a serial in that sense where it wasn't like a, an ongoing all the way through storyline where it all had to revolve around the child. It was just mad cap different adventures. I really loved the one that had Bill Burr when they did the little, yeah. uh, the heist. Oh man. And apparently Bill Burr's coming back. Yeah, so I'd love to see more from him. I saw that. And if, if you're a fan of all these, by the way, I was watching Mandalorian. This is when Disney Plus came out. So at the same time I was watching Mandalorian, I was using Disney Plus to catch up on Gargoyles. And uh, all I remember is uh, one of the people that was teamed up with, with Bill Burr's character, he just started speaking and went, oh my God, that's a voice actor from uh, Gargoyles. And it was, it was like, that yeah, was amazing. Um, Clancy Brown. Yes. So it that that to me was like, oh my god, they're just like sticking people you wouldn't really know in the background, like it, unless you really know that person. Well, I mean, to Clancy Brown's credit, his voice aside, he's a he's a big dude, so he's always got like that natural physique. If you want like an imposing character, yeah. And I knew there was someone else in that episode. Oh yeah, the uh, the guy who was kind of leading it all, the one who brokered the deal. I can't think of the actor's name, but he he played uh, a character in uh, 
Batman Begins. Yes. Um, I, I recognize him more from Sons of Anarchy. I never yes, really watched right. Sons of Anarchy. I, I do. So, yeah. So that's why I didn't recognize him for that. I like when you start, like, you, you start noticing the background actors a lot. Yeah, no, they've given a lot of fans uh, time to shine. Like, actors who are fans of the series, they're just like, come on in, you know, let's, let's do some stuff. And it reminds me, and one last thing, they, uh, one person who has already been in the Star Wars franchise but wants to return through Mandalorian, uh, Simon Pegg is, uh, wants a role in the next uh, season of Mandalorian. Though he has, oh, I don't he, doubt that. He hasn't yeah. landed one, but he, he's kind of petitioning for it right now. Yeah, I, I could see they could go ahead and use him as like uh, even just a voice actor if you don't necessarily want to put him like in a character's role because I, from what I can tell, they've used comedians less so as like, you know, uh, heavy characters, like, you know, really intimidating ones. And they've just used them to be for, to be goofy. I would, uh, whether I would it be call Simon Pegg a comedian. Simon Pegg is an actual actor, and uh, he's been in as many serious roles as he comedic. He's an actual actor, but with more of a comedic tone. Yeah, he, most of his movies have had a comedic tone, but he's done some impressive work as in a more serious roles, and I I would like to see him in in Star Wars and other in another moment. That's my opinion, though. I think you do well. I don't think I, I don't want to like uh, type cast anyone as a comedic uh, actor here. Well, I mean, he is one of those few people that's kind of like you know been in both Star Trek and Star Wars. So yeah, to bring him back Doctor into who. Star Wars would be kind of funny. By the way, he uh, I always kind of feel bad because he saw he was also in Doctor Who in the first season of the revival, which I think yes, the, people, the the television network thing, yeah. And I think a lot of people have forgotten about that first season to a degree. So it's like he had a great character, but it's almost completely forgotten. It's never been readdressed ever again. Well, I think they blew the whole damn thing up. Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> but think of all the other memorable characters since then, and it's like, yeah, well. He's not coming back. Oh, no. Maybe in 10 years, if the series is still going on, he'll be brought back as a doctor, and there'll be, like, the whole Peter Capaldi thing. It's like, well, he was already a character in the series. How can he be the doctor? And there's whole wibbly-wobbly reasons. I, I don't think he's... I don't know. I'm not going to get into Doctor Who. That's that's a whole nother... We can make an entire episode about that. Um, <laughs> one so, day. One day. Uh, any other thoughts on The Mandalorian? Um... I also know Sasha Banks is going to be in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, we don't know who she's going to play, though. We just know she's going to be there. No, but, I mean, if you're going to need somebody that's going to be an alien, go with the short girl who knows how to bend her body backwards in a way that she really shouldn't be able to do. I have no, I have no comment on that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not being facetious or anything. I'm saying, like, if you actually look at some of her matches – the way she's been able to twist her body, like moving backwards or bending backwards, how she hasn't been on the injured list more so is concerning. What do you so, mean? She's always on the injured list. She's always injuring herself. <laughs> I was just thinking other this the other day. She's She's been putting matches she shouldn't be in. I remember that Hell in a Cell and Charlotte Flair tried to put her through a table, but the but the girl was so light that she just... She fell on top of the table and didn't do any damage to the table. It was like hitting... So all the more reason to prove she is an alien, <laughs> which makes her fit into the Star Wars canon. 
Uh, we'll get. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, I have nothing else to add, Mandalorian. Any final thoughts? I mean, since this is pretty much Disney's um, big lob into the streaming network wars, I am mm-hmm. really hoping that it becomes one of those seasons that ends up surpassing the original and doesn't seem like an overbloated exaggeration of where the series could go. Because as of right now, with Disney Plus being what it is, if it wasn't for the bank of stuff that they have in the Disney vault, Mandalorian is the driving force that's keeping that work, network going. If this next season doesn't necessarily pan out so well, they're going to be in a very tight spot. In fairness, uh, well, one, I don't believe that, but I think a lot of it is Disney's fault because when this uh, entire streaming network was debuting, they actually had a lineup of a whole bunch of shows people wanted to see, and the only one they put out in that period of time has been The Mandalorian. I think, though, once you start seeing uh, uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon come out, once you see WandaVision come out, I think those are going to pick up and a lot more people are going to be getting subscriptions for those as well provided they come out and you know get that well reception since everything got pushed back we were technically supposed to be getting uh i think uh falcon and winter soldier by now by summertime Mm -hmm. and i think wandavision was supposed to be coming later in the year now everything's pushed back and i think we're actually getting mandalorian season two later on this year so we'll probably be getting that before marvel properties that we should have gotten already I think the only benefit Mandalorian really has is because now the Star Wars series is kind of on hold to a, well, to a certain degree. I did hear that. It's the, done. All right. It, it's done. They got a new movie coming out and uh, the director of it is one of my favorite directors. So I, I do have uh, some hope there, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't think all of Disney plus relies on Mandalorian, but as of right now it is a hit and it, it would be in their best interest to, Make sure it stays a hit. And I have faith. From what I'm seeing right now, I have faith that this is going to be good. It's not like it's going to be Heroes where it's just going to totally bomb within the second season. By the way, does anyone remember Heroes? I was just thinking about that the other day. I was like, man, that series was so amazing in the first season. It's like, where do they go from here? They get canceled for being totally awful by season three or four. They still made it to season three or four. Yeah, because they NBC didn't really have much else at that point. Right. I don't know if I'll be able to say the same about Disney. I don't know if they're necessarily going to go ahead and push to a season three or four if season two doesn't pan out well. Probably not. But at the same time, Disney is Disney. They have the money. They have the power. They have the content. And that's another thing. I don't really... I don't think all of Disney Plus relies on the success of Mandalorian. That's all I'm really trying to say here. By the way, I I don't want to get into another streaming thing because I'm looking back. I think we had three episodes dedicated to talking about the streaming networks. We are going to have to do another review at some point, but I think when more things come out. But I just I had so much faith in the Disney Plus, and they had so much content that they were going to release. I just can't believe they didn't release anything. It's just the and the stuff they did release. <laughs> Mandalorian, and I can't think of what else because I didn't watch it. Well, to, to be fair, there have been other things on there, but it's been more family-friendly, whether it be Encore or uh, High School Musical, the musical, the television series, which, Christ, whoever decided that was going to be the title. 
Yeah, but then in other shows like uh can't think of the actor's name. Uh who's the uh actor from Jurassic Park that everybody... Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. He, they gave him a TV show where he walks around, and he sees what people do, and it's like Yeah, and okay. his Jeff Goldblum uh, ways, but like oh and ooh, and <laughs> I uh, I guess. It's like, okay, yeah, that that's nice. Where where the hell is our MCU TV shows already? Yeah, that where's the stuff that we actually care about? <laughs> oh, we we are terrible geek people on the internet. Yes, we are. But the the positive thing that they Disney's been doing is at least they've been able to while they haven't been done as, as much during Disney Plus, I think they've been doing some good things over on Hulu because Hulu is where they've been able to have more of their adult featured content and we've had a lot of good content coming in to Hulu, whether it be all the FX stuff, whether it be any original series that are coming out. Uh, I just started watching uh, The Great uh, about uh, Catherine the Great in Russia, and it, it's funny, but it's historically accurate. I can't get past the fact that they all have British accents. I know, I know, I know. It, it, it's part of the humor. Uh, but another series uh, they have going on, I think uh, you wanted to bring up, right? Sure, let's do this. Um, so <laughs> last week, I debuted a segment called Getting Animated with JT, which I talk about animated shows that I've watched and what I think about them. So uh, I told Ryan that uh, this week I would be doing a review on a brand new show called Solar Opposites. I didn't like it. And the review. <laughs> I... I can't even say I hated this show. I didn't hate it. There was nothing about it that made me hate it, but I sure didn't like it. I, I got an episode and a half in and it was like, I am not wasting my day watching this entire series. The, the f- Tell me if I'm wrong here, but the first episode and the second episode seem like the same plot point. The adults of the series are, uh, are trying to get like people to like them while the kids are being assholes and shrinking people. Um, I think it's more the fact that they're trying to adapt more to human society or not even necessarily human earthling society. Um, Cause obviously they have their own personal alien agenda. But I think the grown-ups are trying to navigate. And I think the idea of the, the characters, because I've watched it too. I've watched all eight episodes. Um, the adults pretty much have like this mentality of, okay, fine, we'll blend in. We'll get the used to the earthlings, that sort of thing. The kids don't give a shit. The kids are kidnapping humans and creating a terrarium. Yeah. And, but, I mean, like it feels like the same plot going from episode one to episode two and I wasn't too enthralled in the plot of episode one, which, by the way, that's that's the rule for almost any animated series. You really want to start with your best foot forward, like a South Park or I'll just use South Park as an example there. But uh, I just I was not overly interested. And I was like, OK, I'll give you a shot for episode two. And when they brought, were starting to redo the plot points that I hated in episode one. It's like, I don't really want to watch this. And so I, I just I took a quick look on Hulu at the other episodes and I read the synopsis on all the other. And I'm like, no, no, 
no, no, no. And it's just like, here, here's what I'm going to say. You want a show about a uh, asshole alien integrating themselves into society and trying to take over the world? Do uh, Invader Zim. That was a lot better. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to go down that route. Yeah, it, what this show felt like was this uh, this unholy mix of Rick and Morty, Invader Zim, and American Dad. It uh, it had a similar plot point to Invader Zim. The main character is pretty much a neutered version of Rick Sanchez. Well, it's and, also voiced by the guy who does Rick yeah. Sanchez, Justin Roiland. Yeah, it's the same voice actor, but it's it's like they're trying to make it feel like the same character, except he's just not as interesting or as likable. And uh, and after that, it's Amer- I wouldn't have put the American Dad label on there until I realized it was a Fox created show. Like they they threw the that Fox uh, 20th Century Fox thing right on there, and I'm like, oh god, from the animation to how they structure the story. It is very much American Dad. And it's like, I don't like American Dad, so I don't know. Again, I, I'm not saying it's the worst show ever, but I, I don't care for it. You know, I wasn't even thinking American Dad until you brought that up. Because now looking back at the series, because there's the little like subplot of all the humans that get shrunk down and put into the terrarium of the two children. Mm-hmm. And there's like a sub storyline that goes on with like, you know, the human surviving and, you know, there's like an, uh, there's like a whole episode that's devoted just to the terrarium where it's like, there's a, an uprising of the people on the lower levels to the upper levels. And there's like a guy who was supposed to have died, but they find him alive. And then there's this one with like, you know, a mouse uh, and uh, there's a bond between them. And it, it's so deep. It's way more deep than it needs to be for a fucking show like this. And it reminds me so much of, like, Family Guy, American Dad with, like, the giant golden turd that everyone coveted. And how there was, like, a, a little ongoing storyline with that. I don't remember that because I didn't really like American Dad either. American Dad was okay, a show so. that I watched every once in a while, and when it was finally removed from Fox, I like. I don't know. But from the guy that's doing the segment, getting animated, very strong thoughts. Yeah, I, on uh, animated shows. Here, here's my 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 thing is I'm gonna watch stuff I like, and I'm gonna review the stuff I like. And if I watch something I don't like it, it's gonna be a very short review, which is pretty much I didn't like it, and that's it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm Fair. not. I'm not forcing uh, you know, I think so. I'm not gonna like uh, argue with you because yes, there's a lot to dislike about this show, and I think, yeah, if you're going into it thinking it's going to be like uh, Rick and Morty, you're gonna be pleased and yet disappointed at the same time because it's like Rick and Morty to the point where it's too much like Rick and Morty, or maybe not enough like Rick and Morty. <laughs> it's everything you don't like about Rick and Morty. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's taking all the bad qualities and trying to make a show off of it. And not mind you, credit to you know some of the voice actors that they have on the thing. I I personally love Thomas Middleditch's character, if nothing else, because he is just way too perky. Yeah. By the way, the the one kid in the show is he played by the same kid who uh, who's the main character in Goldberg's? Yeah, Sean uh, Giambroni. Uh, that he plays a uh, Yumulek. Okay, that's like the I I, so, 
I don't always know actors' names, but I can hear someone and go, I'm pretty sure that's so-and-so. Yeah, no, I had to look it up. So this way, because it's one of those heavy Italian names, so I wanted to make sure I didn't butcher it. By the way, I, I, I think I mentioned this almost every other episode, but in, in terms of what we appreciate, uh, Big O is always going to be on the side of the actors. I'm always going to be the, the jerk on the side of the, the directors and producers. So that's, that's our dynamic. Yeah. I'm a cold bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Better you say it than me. (laughs) It's like, well, most producers aren't like that. (laughs) You hope you have a career. Anyway. um, (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, boy. I'm evil. Kind of. Anyway. Anyway. so yeah, that's my uh, that's my review, and I don't know what I'm going to review next week, but I'll probably like it better than Solar Opposites, or at least I hope. Yeah, so if you're one of those people that wanted to guess, look at it. Wait until you can get all of Rick and Morty on probably HBO Max. Yeah. And like I said, check out if you haven't watched Invader Zim, much better, same plot but better characters. Go. For oh it. boy, Invader Zim is memories. Yes, and not to mention if you have Netflix, uh, they released a movie last year around this time which was was beautiful oh yeah no nice follow-up to the end of the series i guess yes but that's for another day now speaking of really evil i guess i should go into my stuff if you must (laughs) not that i'm necessarily being evil but um on today's Big O's 3 to see. 3 to see. The first thing I wanted to touch on was comedians being evil. Hmm. Now, what you might mean by that? Well, something I've noticed in a lot of trailers that are going to be for movies leading up either going into theaters or possibly going into streaming is that I've noticed a lot more comedic actors delving into darker themed territory as far as their acting is concerned um first most notably uh you've got chris rock with his uh, rendition on the saw franchise being spiral which was supposed to be coming out uh sometime this year i think it should have actually already been out but unfortunately with everything it got pushed back and it, it was weird for me when i first heard about the chris rock going and doing a horror movie let alone a movie with such a gory lineage. And I figured, okay, well, that's just a passion project. But I'm looking at other comics now and the kind of work that they're doing. Um, you've got Kevin James, uh, the King of Queens, who is going to be a neo-Nazi villain in a little movie called Becky that's going to be coming out eventually. You've got Simon Pegg, who we talked about earlier, and his uh, his fun little British uh, rompiness. He's going to be a captured, long, gray-haired antagonist in a movie called Inheritance, who I think is also starring Lily Collins. Well, isn't Inheritance the one that's going to have uh, Steve Carell in it? No. Uh, you're thinking of... Um, you're thinking of that political movie that he's doing with Rose Byrne, which also starts with an I. Uh, Uh, Maybe I just got confused then. Well, because here's the thing. It's got, it's got him and it's also got Patrick Warburton. And that's just like two people I wouldn't expect for like a dramatic movie. And 
then obviously, um, <clears throat> while I do have a personal stake in this film because I was a part of it. <laughs> oh, really? Um, you have the King of Staten Island, which is uh, the new Judd Apatow uh, drama slash comedy, but definitely leaning more on the drama, uh, starring Pete Davidson and Bill Burr, which is an autobiographical story of Pete Davidson's life, having lost his father after 9-11. So I find it very weird that you have all of these comedy-prone people leading into this darker, more serious sort of you know, acting scape of the work that they're doing. And I almost wonder, is this a trend that we're going to see more of? I'm actually, uh, I don't know much about Becky. I'm kind of, uh, kind of weird that. Oh, if game... you watch a trailer, you'll know about Becky it is it's kind of like, um, Kevin James you know, playing a Nazi is uh, kind of weird enough for me, but that's the yeah. only one that really kind of gets away from. I, I saw the trailers for King of Staten Island. Uh, that looks actually pretty good, and it doesn't feel like it's too out of line. Like I think you, Bill Bill Blur, which it seems like he's going to be in a great role for that film. Our film, I'm calling it a film. It's a TV series. Uh, Sp- no, no, it's a film. <laughs> oh wait, no, I thought it was a TV series. No, no. King of Staten Island is a film. Oh. I it was supposed to be a theatrical release until it became a streaming release. Huh. Who would want him to star in a film? Not Bill Blur, uh, the other one. Pete Davidson. Yeah. Who, yeah don't who get me started on Pete Davidson. Anyway. That's, that is... Oh, there's Maybe so much that's why. I saw Pete Davidson and I went, well, yeah, I guess he could star in a TV series like this. No, I didn't think he'd lead a film. Uh, there's so much between me and Pete Davidson that I don't, that's a, that's a whole other episode. That mm. uh, Spiral didn't really throw me too far off. Uh, sorry, I'm taking over your segment here, by the way. I'll, no, 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 <laughs> I, I'm wanting your reaction. That That's the whole idea. With the with Spiral, I'm just getting flashbacks of when he was trying out for like uh, action roles, like Bad uh, Company. Because uh, the trailer, like he he plays a cop in this, uh, like the the Danny Glover role to a certain degree. He plays a cop, but he also may be playing a dirty cop too, if uh, yeah, you no. analyze the trailer well enough. So I I feel like I feel he could fit into that role. So it didn't come off too far away for me for that one. I don't know much about inheritance though, and like I said, Kevin James is a Nazi. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's like I didn't realize it was Kevin James until they said his name. That's how grizzled and like menacing he looks in this film. He could be just any generic, hefty bad guy. It turns but out, but it's it, the fucking King of Queens. It's the fucking zookeeper. It turns out, uh, Paul Blur really got his uh, his uh, genes from many years ago. <laughs> It's like, this is what happens when you don't pair him up with Adam Sandler. He goes off the deep end. Well, you know, a lot of uh, comedic actors, and this is what we were talking about before, uh, a lot of comedic actors do try to do serious roles at times and sometimes to various degrees. Ah, man, I'm bad with actors' names. What's the one that always teams up with Will Ferrell? The Uh, actor that teams up with Will Ferrell. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. John C. Riley has this real knack for being able to go between really that shit crazy comedy roles and then these really dramatic serious roles it can be done i don't think it's too out of the norm i think i think he was the one who kind of made me think more that way well john c riley is a little bit different i think because i mean he was one of those ones i think that started off in dramas 
and then worked his way into comedy. Because if you look at his backlog, whether it be Chicago or, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what's the porn one? Um, the porn one? I don't. Yeah, the, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Um, Boogie Nights. Yes. Was uh, he, he had like a stronger, I'd say, serious drama background before getting into comedy with the Will Ferrell stuff. And yeah, I'd say it worked out for him for a certain extent. Uh, maybe Holmes and Watson has put a break on that for a while. I hope. <laughs> but it's it just always weirds me out when you have somebody that's like, you know, he's prone to comedy. And I think comedy is usually the harder of things to do. So why not keep that up, especially with what we're doing with stuff nowadays? Instead, they go into this darker territory. And mind you, as someone who's done stand-up, you kind of have to have a little bit of a dark personality to get these jokes through. Because for many people, comedy is therapy. And you got to work through your demons in order to do the stuff that you do on stage. But I feel like this is maybe more of a trend too far. Like, I don't necessarily want to see... Uh, let me think of somebody. I don't want to see... Uh, what what's his face? Uh, Cedric the Entertainer, uh, and like a gangbanger movie, which could happen, but I don't want to see it. <laughs> I, I could see him playing a pimp. I, I could see him being a drug lord, but I don't want him to be like a funny drug lord. I want him to be like you know, uh, you know, the one from like Half Baked. I don't want him to be like you know something from like Hoodlum. You know, you know, there's got to be a balance. Here's some to go back to something we were saying before about me being the evil producer and you being the uh, the kind-hearted, benevolent actor. I always kind of get shocked where you seem very into like actors needing to stay in certain roles. I, I feel as an actor, you would want to see people expand. And actually, that's something I always do encourage. I don't like seeing people get typecast. I, I like to see like uh, an actor who's known for one role go out and nail another one. I, I kind of, I, I enjoy that. I want to see people expand. How can I explain it? Um, it really depends on the actor. Like, if there's somebody that's shown that they are capable of doing things to a degree, that's fine. Like, take, you know, John C. Riley for example. He worked into comedy slowly. You know, he was taking dramatic roles and then, you know, dramatic roles with like a little bit of flair and then leaning more into like the goofball comedy that you get with Will Ferrell. He didn't just jump the ship and directly go over into it. Another good example would be someone like uh, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey was doing comedic stuff, but he slowly went into more dramatic fields, whether it be stuff like The Majestic, whether it be... Uh, the Truman Show, even Liar Liar had, you know, more serious undertones than, say, his previous comedy work before he started doing stuff like Number 23 or that German stuff that he's been doing. So you're more... But the minute, but the minute you jump, like, immediately from one thing to another, that doesn't always work out. I mean, it and doesn't, I, but uh, I, I still to this day don't know why Robin Williams wanted to play a serial killer in a film actually multiple films now that i'm thinking about it but i don't know well that's robin williams could be like unpacking a whole big thing there 
but at the same time it's i i like that's just my thing that's i i like seeing people kind of stretch their bounds to what they they're known for doing and capable of doing if yeah i just think it should be a slow stretch not like you know jumping off a cliff into a pool i think that's that's on the side of the promotions and the agents at the same time though like if you're if you're a well-known name known for something just know that if you try to jump into a totally different material that could kill your career i'm yes i'm not saying like oh you shouldn't do this i'm just saying it's an unfortunate possibility because that's the way people think right and that's fair I mean, it depends on your mentality of Hollywood. Now, leading to my second part, staying the course in something that you're good at can work to your benefit. Um, Michael Mann, uh, who you may know from movies like Last of the Mohicans, Collateral, um, uh, The Insider, great dramatic director. Love his work. Apparently, there's more of a... um, a well of influence from streaming media on Michael Mann's work. Uh, just recently, a movie of his caught the eye of a lot of people, which was uh, Public Enemies. The, um, I think 2009, yeah, it was 2009, uh, semi-biographical uh, tale of Dillinger, who was played by Johnny Depp. Fine film. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see it? I actually, uh, I was going to s- do you want me to again topic depth with this, or do you want to finish your point? No, no, tell me. Have you seen uh, Public Enemies? I did not see it. It was on my list. I wanted to see it, and then I I heard it got bad reviews, and it didn't really hit the marks, and it kind of turned me off to wanting to see it. But I I love the story of uh, Dillinger, and I thought the casting of Johnny Depp was a great casting. It just it again it was it just it seemed like it didn't hit the marks, and it turned me off. Well, I mean, I think the casting in general for that movie uh, played a big part into why a lot of people are liking it now. Because if you look at the entire cast list, you've got Christian Bale, you've got Johnny Depp. And remember, this was uh, 2009 Christian Bale. So this was at the height of his uh, popularity. Yes, this was like Batman times Christian Bale. Um, you've got uh, Stephen Dorff makes a cameo. Jason Clark is in it. Uh, Carrie Mulligan, Marianne Cotillard, Giovanni Ribisi. You've got a Channing Tatum uh, as Pretty Boy Floyd uh, was just a nice little cameo in that. You had a whole wellspring of, com- of, of, of great character actors in something like this. And I think that's why a lot of the popularity is hitting now. It's becoming more of a cult classic than I'd say, uh, like a lot of films, they don't get the appreciation when they first come out. But now they're getting appreciated. I think, well, you remember what the term with a cult classic is. It's not really a, uh, per se, a great film. It's something that hits the mark of a niche group of people. And and that's the thing I I also remember from the reviews. No one was ever saying, like, this was a lousy film, but it wasn't the film they were, I guess, expecting it to be from the marketing. And Mm -hmm. I guess now it's, uh, 10 years later, it's finding its audience. Yeah, which is perfectly fine. Um, But I think this also has led to another development in Michael Mann's career. Now, mind you, he hasn't had a movie come out since 2015's Black Hat with Chris Chris Hemsworth. That was not a good film. (laughs) But there are now rumors going on that 
they may be making a prequel to possibly one of his greatest films ever, Heat. Hmm. Now, as far as Michael Mann movies, I would say Heat is like top three. As far as gangster movies are concerned, it's pretty much the one that's up there that isn't like Scorsese based. Uh, yeah, even though it had a lot of the Scorsese's actors in it. Um, <laughs> that, I, well, I yes. actually never Niro, saw Yes, it. Val Kilmer, no. I actually never saw Heat. It was, uh, it's one of those movies that was always on my list, but I never got around to. Oh, it's, it's such a good, like, gangster, mobster, heist movie. It, it, it's one of those ones that maybe you don't think about as often because it's relatively newer to the other ones compared to like Godfather or Goodfellas or any of those because it was definitely like a 90s type of movie. But it is just, it, the action in it is so good. Michael Mann does action very well. The whole problem is if they do a prequel, do they do it like Scorsese did with Irishman and de-age everybody? No, we should never ever do that ever again. Um, <laughs> I, I think they should hire younger actors if they're going to do a Heat prequel. That's my personal opinion. Do not hire old actors and try to make them look younger. Even when they do, it, we don't need to get into this. We, we've already talked about uh, the Irishman. It's it's just not a good idea. Okay, I just want to make sure because obviously that would. Uh really depend on what kind of movie you got if they do go ahead and make a prequel to the thing because obviously you can't do a sequel uh, the way the characters have panned out you know half of them are dead yes spoilers <laughs> um, um but another well, movie I, I guess i never have to see the heat now because uh well, now i know i'm not telling ends. you who's dead so you still gotta watch it to find out who dies and who doesn't <laughs> okay don't, don't be trying to make me sway you away from something god but another movie that will be throwing a good amount of money at itself is the Snyder Cut. We are getting the Snyder Cut of Justice League that has been fabled long into internet lore ever since the release of the movies only a few years ago. And the thing is, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, we're finally getting it. Well, yes and no. See, the Snyder Cut is going to be something that's going to be released in 2021 on HBO Max, but the problem is it's not a cut that's made now. It's a cut that they're going to make by adding another 20 or $30 million into the budget of this film <laughs> to do some reshoots, to do uh, take some of the old footage that they had and restructure it. You're and it's probably God. not even going to be necessarily a movie because with all the additional footage, you're going to have to break it up. So either it's going to be a miniseries or it's going to be a cluster of films in order to make the Snyder Cut actually happen. But it's still happening off of all the pressure that all these internet trolls have given over the years you are finally getting a Snyder Cut to possibly one of the more mediocre superhero movies ever made. And it may turn into the greatest superhero movie ever made. Yeah. Not counting Endgame, but I there's hope. I doubt it. This is... <laughs> why are they investing money to redo... A, not even redo, just add on to a film that was already debuted... How many years ago now did Justice League come out? Was it 20? Uh, what was that? That was 20. 
2018. So it was a while 17, ago 17. this movie came out. And I, number one, I guess I'm not that big of a fanboy because I have not heard any real uh, bitching and moaning about the Snyder cut. Um, but, you know, if I recall correctly, they did release the Snyder cut of Batman and versus Superman, which was like, oh, that'll explain everything in the film. And that sucked. It just because it's going to be the uh, director's vision doesn't make it a good movie. I am a fan of Zack Snyder. I I've loved his work since uh, the, his version of Dawn of the Dead. I've like 300 is one of my favorite films, but he has not done the DC universe any favors. I, and I do not have faith that this justice league Snyder cut is going to be any good. The, I don't know what you people are high on, what you people are, think this is going to be. This is not going to redeem the DC cinematic universe. This is this is just going to be a rehash of the shitty film you all bitched about three years ago. Give it up. In fact, Warren Brothers, just re, you give up too. Just reboot the DC series. Stick with your Wonder Woman films. Those are great. Give up on trying to be Marvel. And a rant. <laughs> We're about to be canceled by the DC fanboys. I was screw the DC's fanboys. I don't give a shit about <gasps> fanboys. Oh, you grow the ire of the internet. Whatever. But I mean, there is something to be said for you know, at least from a promotional standpoint. If you were going to go ahead and get people interested in a Warner Brothers, you know, franchise. And given the way things are now, it's a question of what you can actually put into theaters and what you can put on streaming. And you have to push things back in order for you know filming to still be done on other DC features. Doesn't it kind of make sense that if you want to go ahead and get something out there for the fans, you have enough material and it's a small amount of money that you have to spend in order to make it happen. As yeah, only to 30 to 40 film. million dollars or whatever like that. You can make better films with that budget. I think the Mandalorian's made with a smaller budget and that does just fine. Doesn't it? Well, they no, got a lot gonna, of sand to work with. You're not even making new material. You're, you're just adding on to an already established film that was already panned. Congratulations. You're going to get uh you're going to get, what, how many people to tune into this thing? Most of them are going to be like me, who are going to go, wait, didn't that already get released? Didn't it suck? Didn't we already hate this director for other things? I I think that Leave Sucker stupid. Punch alone. I didn't even get into Sucker Punch, but if you want to address Sucker Punch, I'll talk about that in an episode, too. <laughs> another day, another day, I want you at full capacity. <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know... Uh, Warner Brothers, I, I had all this faith in Disney Plus and they let me down. And now I'm kind of putting my faith in HBO Max because Warner Brothers has all these properties and they're making deals with Viacom. So Viacom's going to be part of this. But if if the big deal about this whole network is the Snyder Cut, like that makes me lose a little faith in this. You got my money. You got my money. For the next uh, half a year, I got HBO Max. But like this is not one of the things that makes me want to watch HBO Max. 
If you're a DC to fan, good, good, good. No, no. To be fair, to be fair, HBO Max has got a lot more stuff riding for it than the, the Snyder Cut coming out next year. I mean, uh, there's plenty that's going to be on the slate for when it drops later on this month. Actually, I just think, as far as DC is concerned, you've got Warner Brothers uh, stuff putting out on the network. Yes, you've got the DC Universe, which isn't flowing as well, so that's kind of like a dud. Uh, the CW shows have already ended for the year, and there's no guarantee about what's going to be able to be filmed later on this year. Uh, 1980, Wonder Woman 1984 is really the only major movie you have slated to come out in theaters because uh, Shazam 2's on the rocks. Black Adam, you don't know what's going on with that. The Wonder Woman Why 84 looks good. Yeah, 84 looks good, so I am looking forward to that one. Like I said, they're good with the Wonder Woman series, I think. Uh in terms of Max, I don't know. I It looks like, again, we were talking about this. They're going to move some of the DC Universe stuff over there, which be interested. Again, Warner Brothers is a giant company from their Hanna-Barbera products to their uh, whoever else they bought up. They they bought up just as many people as Disney at some point. But, uh, but I mean, if you're a DC, don't you want to be able to do something like that? That'll grow the fans to what you're doing. I want them to do shit right the first time. And they're, <laughs> they're taking the Sega philosophy in this. Like, well, it, do, it doesn't work that well anymore. Add on to it. We're going to put the 32X on it and then the Sega CD. That's what you're doing here. You're trying to An revise activator. history. Don't revise history. Just you know, like do things right the first time. Jesus Christ. I don't know. Anyway... I, I'm afraid to say anything to you now because I don't know if what I'm saying is right the first time and I might have to correct myself and I don't want you yelling at me. I, I'm a mean person. I scared Big O. I'm sorry, Big O. I'm sorry. Don't patronize me. <laughs> I pat you on your gray hair. Oh, oh, oh. Not, that's fighting words, man. Oh, you, oh, you, you lucky we <laughs> And that's why we're staying in separate rooms from now on. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm, I'm going to send you a package and I'm going to cough in it. <laughs> Check it. Oh, by the way, I got to give a shout out to uh, a friend of uh, the show, a friend of ours, uh, uh, Chris and Cummer, who sent me an entire birthday cake for my birthday. Thank you very much for that, by the way. It was delicious. Well, okay, if we're doing that, then we also should shout out to another fan of the show, uh, Jane Papalotto, who went ahead and sent me this bottle of Irish whiskey oh, very for nice. my birthday. Very nice. They, so, Jane, what are you getting me for my birthday? It's only next I month. don't know, the same thing Chris is getting me for <laughs> she, mine. She's going to yell at me now. <laughs> it's like, what are you telling people that I have to get you a gift? <laughs> Well, mine just passed. Yours is coming up, so people still have a week for you. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. I posted that cake on uh, on uh, social media, and a whole bunch of people were like, "Oh God, it's his birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday!" And then, like a day later, "Happy belated birthday!" I'm like, "No, guys, you got time. It hasn't come yet." <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't do anything for mine yesterday. the The messages came. I was happy with some of them. Others, I didn't care. I hate my birthday anyway, so it's like. <laughs> But at least I got a liquor to make myself feel better. Yes. And it says Roe. <laughs> it, it's like Roe & Co., which is an Irish brand that I found when I was in Ireland. And it's R-O-E, Real oh. Ordeal Entertainment, right nice. there. That is, that is nice. 
You gonna keep that? Are are you gonna keep that? Or are you gonna drink it? You're gonna drink. I have to see how the rest of my birthday week goes. <laughs> All right. I, I hate to say it, but I think we're overtime. I actually lost track of how long we were recording today. Yeah, no. Well, I think I'd say we're good by now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us for another episode of the JT and Big O podcast. We again, uh, we have episodes every Monday. Uh, reach us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Uh, until next time, I bid you all adieu. Bye-bye. You're opening it up now? Well, we're done with the show, so yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>